Hey, buddy, this is Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. It is Monday, March 2nd, 2020. Yes, that's right. We flipped our calendars. We're into another month. Spring football is coming up right around the corner. And before you know it, we'll be kicking off games in the fall. But before we do that, we have a lot to get into in today's episode. We'll take a look around some of the other Penn State sports from this weekend, including the Penn State hockey team taking the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament, the Penn State basketball team going on the road and coming up a little bit short against Iowa and a big win for the lacrosse team. We'll take a look at the James Franklin contract details that were released last week and we'll talk a little bit about the Penn State recruiting scene following a decommitment over the weekend. Make sure you never miss a single episode by subscribing to our podcast on all your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, we're on Himalaya as well. We've also got that RSS feed out there, so if I didn't mention your favorite podcast, then add that RSS feed to your favorite app of choice and make sure you never miss a single episode. We also want to make sure you're leaving your reviews and your ratings because it does help us promote the show on those various podcasting apps, but we just like the feedback and we like the interaction. We want to hear what you guys have to say. And we also want you to be a part of the show, so make sure you send your questions and your comments into our Facebook and Twitter pages. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash locked on Nittany. And starting this week, we've got a YouTube page as well. I'll share some details about that very soon. But with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get started with today's episode. It was another weekend of some highs and lows around the Penn State sports scene. Most notably, the lowest point was probably Penn State's men's basketball team losing on the road to Iowa. We'll get to that in a minute. But there were a lot of positives coming out of the sports weekend as well, starting with that Penn State hockey team, which didn't have to take a shift this weekend. They played their final games of the regular season a week ago. So they got a chance to sit back and watch to see how the rest of the Big Ten standings fell into place in the final weekend of Big Ten regular season play. They needed a little help to secure that number one seed, and they got it courtesy of the Wisconsin Badgers and the Michigan Wolverines in their matchups against Ohio State and Minnesota, respectively. Bottom line, Penn State takes first place overall outright in the Big Ten regular season. That gives them the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament, which is huge because that means they get a bye week. They don't have to play at all in the opening round, which are best of three series for the rest of the teams that are going to be playing in the tournament. Meanwhile, Penn State will get a week off to prepare. That'll be two weeks off since their most recent game against Minnesota in their home regular season finale. So they get two weeks to prepare for single elimination, which is going to be played on Penn State's campus. As long as Penn State wins, they're going to be hosting the Big Ten Championship game uh, in a few weeks. But let's take things one step at a time. Penn State gets the number one seed, so they'll have off this coming weekend when the rest of the Big Ten tournament gets underway. Ohio State's going to be playing Wisconsin in a best of three series at Wisconsin. I'm sorry, at Ohio State. Michigan is going to be hosting Michigan State, and Michigan's the number three seed. And Minnesota, the number four seed, will host number five, Notre Dame. So the way this tournament works, if you're not familiar with it, the highest seeded team will get home ice advantage. And in these opening first round best of three series, the home team's going to host all three games if all three games are necessary. You win two games, then you're on. So Ohio State could win two games against Wisconsin. They won't have to worry about that third game. But they'll all be playing starting on this coming Friday. And if necessary, they'll play up through, I believe, Monday night for any series that has to go three games. 
So Penn State will get the lowest seeded team that advances out of this first round. And again, like I said, it's going to be single elimination. So getting home ice advantage in this situation is going to be huge for Penn State because Hockey Valley has become a thing and it's an electric crowd and an electric atmosphere that continues to be gaining a lot of respect. And it's an intimidating place for visiting teams to come in and play. So with as competitive as the Big Ten has been on the ice this season, having home ice advantage is huge uh, there is a little bit of a nerve that comes with a single elimination situation uh, whereas you know best of three you, you have a chance to recover from from mistakes but you know this is going to be very very interesting to watch as Penn State tries to make a push into that NCAA tournament as the Big Ten tournament champion uh, so we'll see how this all plays out obviously we'll talk a little bit more about it when it gets closer to Penn State getting a chance to play whoever they may be playing in that single elimination game that Penn, the next Penn State game will be played I believe on March 14th if I'm not mistaken it's a Saturday and then the championship game would be the following Saturday on the 21st again if Penn State wins that first round that championship game will be played at the Pagola Center so a lot at stake for Penn State but they will get another chance to sit back and watch to see how the rest of the Big Ten plays out before we get to the basketball team, one to note real quick, number two men's lacrosse team comes up huge with a win at number six Penn in Philadelphia in overtime on Saturday. Matt O'Keefe gets the game winner. It's his fourth goal of the game. His third goal of the game actually set a new Big Ten record for most career goals in Big Ten play, which is now up to 186 career goals. He passes Johns Hopkins' Terry Riordan. I don't know if I said that correctly or not, uh, he, but he played back in 1992-95, so Technically, it's a Big Ten career scoring record, although Johns Hopkins joined the Big Ten much more recently, just within the last few years. So I don't know if it technically qualifies, but hey, regardless, he is now atop the Big Ten record book. So congratulations to Matt O'Keefe. And uh, again, a men's lacrosse off to a nice start to the season. They only had that one setback against Yale the previous weekend. Uh, but this is uh, shaping up already to be another pretty good run. They're going to get all week off, and they will be playing, I believe, down in Charlotte uh, against uh, another top-10 team in Cornell. So uh, a lot of good opponents for the men's lacrosse team to get the season started. All right, so let's talk about that basketball team. Again, uh, it's been a rough it's been a rough go since I decided to hop on this men's basketball bandwagon since they were number nine in the country just a few short weeks ago. Uh, obviously, they lost two games last week. They rebounded last week to uh, get the win against Rutgers, and uh, they go on the road and lose on the road against Iowa, 77-68. to 68. I, Again, Iowa's a good team. <laughs> Not going to take anything away from them, uh, but it was just a it was just a tough game. You know, It was just one of those games where the baskets weren't dropping for Penn State, and obviously they, they made a little bit of a flurry in the second half. When it looked like uh, you know previous Penn State teams could have just rolled over and packed it in, that wasn't necessarily the case here. And I think that's still a positive sign, but obviously with only two games left in the regular season, you're hoping that Penn State can find a way to finish the season strong going into that Big Ten tournament. Right here, just within the last couple of weeks, Penn State was sitting in the number two spot in the Big Ten standings, which would have given them a double buy in the Big Ten tournament if they could hold on to that. Unfortunately, the, the last couple of games, losing three out of the last four, has dropped them in the standings. Now, I'm recording this as Illinois is playing and before Wisconsin gets a chance to play. So if the Big Ten standings have been updated uh, to reflect something different from what I say, I'm just putting that disclaimer out there right now. We'll clear it up once we have uh, a chance to really sink into the standings a little bit. But as I'm recording, 
recording this right now, Penn State would be playing in not the opening round of the Big Ten tournament, but in the next round. So they would get the one bye. Uh, and, you know, obviously getting a second bye would be pretty nice if they can still get it. And, uh, you know, the, the top of the Big Ten standings are pretty darn close right now. So there's still a chance that they can move in. You know, they've got a big game Tuesday night against Michigan State at home. It'll be their final home game of the regular season before that Big Ten tournament. And, of course, they're going to end the regular season on the road against Northwestern. That should be a win. But if they can get the win against Michigan State, that would be monumental. We didn't get a chance to cover it on the podcast last week, so we're going to do it right now. And that is Penn State releasing the contract details for head coach James Franklin. And this was something that was just kind of uh, going to be drawn out because ever since we found out that James Franklin was getting a contract extension, there's still a lot of official things that need to be signed and approved before those details can officially be released, such as the board of trustees voting on and endorsing and agreeing to all the terms and everything. There's a lot of legal stuff that goes on behind the scenes, but basically we knew that James Franklin was going to be handsomely paid as he continues to be at Penn State. And that was uh, certainly not a shock to find out some of the contract details coming in to the details being released and now we know for a fact that James Franklin is going to be making a good chunk of change through the year 2025 which is when the current contract now uh, will be set to expire and this is good because it gives James Franklin some job security it allows him to go out on the recruiting trail and pitch the idea that he's He's locked in for a good few number of years right now. And obviously things can always change when you're talking about college football coaches. But given some of the speculation about his potential name being thrown around for some various rumors here and there, such as USC or Florida State, (laughs) we've been down that road before. This is something that helps silence some of that speculation. It doesn't mean that USC can't come to James Franklin or his agent at some point and say, listen, we know what you're getting at Penn State. We're going to give you this much more. And then James Franklin packs his bags and leaves. That is the nature of the game. But it does help sell the message that James Franklin and Penn State are on happy terms right now. And I never really thought that there was a serious risk of James Franklin leaving Penn State. But let's put all that aside. Let's talk about some of these details right now and see where James Franklin rakes compared to some of the other Big Ten and other coaches out there uh, in the coaching world. What we know is James Franklin's contract will run through 2025. He's going to receive an average salary of $5.9 million, and he can reach up to $6.5 million, I think, by the end of the contract, the way that it's scheduled to increase. And that's typically the case for a lot of coaching contracts out there. You'll get paid a certain value uh, for that current year, and then that'll go up a percentage the next year, and then the year after that. So I think it reaches a $6.5 million as far as the base salary. That's the ceiling for it. Now, on top of that, there are bonuses. We're not going to get into all the bonuses, but you get bonuses for winning your division, winning the Big Ten championship game, playing in the Big Ten championship game. There's bowl incentives. Obviously, if James Franklin were to lead Penn State to a national championship or at least a college football playoff appearance, he's going to get some bonuses on top of that. So the the bonus money is crazy money. And uh, odds are the way that Penn State has been playing, James Franklin is going to be getting some bonuses in the years to come. Now, as far as Big Ten coaches are concerned, James Franklin is not the highest paid coach in the Big Ten, but he's certainly up there, and that hasn't actually changed. Jim Harbaugh at Michigan continues to be the highest paid coach in the Big Ten, and I think that that's well documented at this point. <laughs> Whether or not Michigan is getting the return for the, or the bang for the buck, that's up for debate, but bottom line is you know, James 
Franklin and Jim Harbaugh are each doing some really good things at their respective universities. And you knew that Michigan was going to shell out a lot of money to get Jim Harbaugh. Uh, so that's not going to be changing. Jim Harbaugh is going to continue being the highest paid coach in the Big Ten. We'll keep an eye on Ryan Day at Ohio State because Ohio State always has money. And if Ryan Day continues to have success, he's going to quickly move up there. I think he's actually scheduled to be a $7 million coach over the next few years, supposing things continue to roll along the way they are in Columbus. And I don't see that changing. But bottom line is, James Franklin sitting here at third in Big Ten coaching contracts. Jeff Brom at Purdue, <laughs> Purdue went all in on Jeff Brom. He continues to be the second highest paid coach in the Big Ten behind Jim Harbaugh. And, uh, you know, that's something that Purdue really felt they needed to do. Now, that, that was coming off of one really good year uh, for Jeff Brom in his Purdue debut since coming over from, I think it was, what, was it Western Kentucky at the point in the time? So, they knew in order to keep him at Purdue and keep him from moving to another position elsewhere, uh, they were going to have to shell out some big money. So they are all in on Jeff Rom, and they're hoping that he continues to show some improvement there. Uh, but keep an eye on that situation because at some point if Purdue is not uh, turning in the results they're expecting at Jeff Rom, uh, maybe Jeff Rom leaves town uh, to find another opportunity where he can maybe shine a little bit more or maybe just the frustration continues if they don't continue to improve. It could be something to just to keep an eye on because that is a lot of money that Jeff Brom is getting from Purdue, a program that's not typically known for playing a lot of money for their football program. But hey, if they're all in on football, that's, you know, I don't see the downside there. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Brom is your second highest paid coach in the Big Ten, still ahead of James Franklin. And again, Ryan Day, he's on his way up. He's going to be there very soon. Uh, he could very, very well be passing uh, James Franklin in the next couple of years. I forget exactly how his contract extension is uh playing out but he's uh ryan day's going someplace too so uh he's not going to be sitting around for long kirk ferentz is still down there you know paul christ i think is still getting a uh wisconsin's getting a good deal out of paul christ although paul christ is a contract uh, i think is not all that bad at this point but yeah james franklin is your third highest paid coach in the big 10 nationally james franklin ranks 12th and you know that's still not bad. I mean, considering some of the coaches that are ahead of him and uh, certainly some of the accomplishments that some of these coaches have had. And again, you're just talking about some schools that are going to pay some crazy money for head coaches. And a lot of them are coming from the SEC and the state of Texas. So obviously, uh, Debo Sweeney and Nick Saban, they're out there at one and two. I just mentioned Jim Harbaugh. He's, he's up there as well. Uh, Harbaugh is actually fourth overall. You know, Kirby Smart is up there. Tom Herman at Texas. Texas is always going to pay a lot of money. Jimbo Fisher, of course, at Texas A&M. He's up there. And um, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. And obviously, Lincoln Riley uh, was coming into a really good situation in Oklahoma. He's got a couple Heisman Trophy winners. got a couple Big 12 championships. And, of course, he's got a couple of college football playoff appearances. Uh, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, they're always going to pay a lot of money for the head coaches because they're really going head-to-head -head in many ways on and off the field. And again, Texas A&M just has crazy stupid money to pay Jimbo Fisher. But Jimbo Fisher does have a national championship. Nick Saban has a national championship. Dabo Sweeney's got national championships. Uh, you know, Kirby Smart has been to the national championship. And uh, like I said, Lincoln Riley has been to the playoff uh, for the last few years. So <laughs> these are all coaches that have some of the, the check marks 
uh, in green that James Franklin is trying to get to. So obviously if James Franklin were to get into the playoff and, and win a national championship, then he could very well get another contract extension and another bump in pay. But Penn State's obviously paying a lot of money for James Franklin. I don't think there's anything uh, too overboard here. I think he is the, he's getting paid what a college football coach at a program like Penn State in the Big Ten should be paid for what they're doing these days. Uh, there's a lot that goes into what uh, guides a football program. There's a lot of money to be distributed. Yes, I'd be okay if some of that were going to the players, but it's not right now. So I think for what Penn State is getting on James Franklin with three trips to the New Year's Six Bowl games in the last few years, a uh, victory in the most recent Cotton Bowl, uh, th- there are some good, th- and of course, the uh, the, the uh, Fiesta Bowl a couple years ago. <laughs> Penn State's in a really good spot. We've talked about that before. I think James Franklin's in a really good situation, and I think he's got Penn State in a really good spot moving forward, and I think they're getting the money's worth. In all my years of following and covering college football, there has been one thing when it comes to recruiting that I fall back on and I will stress to anybody who wants to listen, and that is that you should never get too attached to any high school player that commits to your school. A lot of times when high school players are committing to a school years or months in advance of their national signing day, there are going to be a good number of players that are going to have a change of heart. They're going to see things a little bit differently. They'll have some more time to think about their decision and maybe change their mind, uh, maybe evaluate some other situations and possibilities that maybe weren't potentially available at the time they made their decision. So I never get too worked up when a high school student decides to decommit from their previous commitment. And Penn State is like every other school out there, including Alabama and Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, USC, Texas, Oklahoma. These schools are always going to have players decommit from their commitment. And Penn State had another player decommit from that class of 2021. And that was Jacksonville, Florida tight end Nick Elksness, who announced on Twitter, and I'm quoting here, after much thought, prayer, and conversation with my family, I've decided to decommit from Penn State and will be reopening my recruiting, end quote. Not too surprising. This is a kid from Florida who plays tight end, and he probably saw that Penn State has a number of tight ends pretty well situated uh, that it would not necessarily be ahead of him on the depth chart, but there's a lot of competition there. Now, obviously, Pat Frymuth coming back for this season. Uh, I don't know if that's really a dramatic impact on any recruit's decision, but there are a couple of tight ends that are already on the roster. There's a couple more coming in in the class of 2020 already. So Penn State's tight end position is pretty stacked right now in the years to come and with or without Nick Elksness. So obviously, anytime a story comes out that a player is decommitting from Penn State, there might be a little bit of a pause for concern for anybody who follows the recruiting on a day-to-day basis. And again, I, I don't get too worked up about it. You know, I think uh, there's a number of things to keep in mind here. First of all, you know, there are players that are going to change their minds. Like I said at the beginning of this segment, high school players will change their minds. They don't always know exactly what they want, and they may feel a little bit different about their commitment uh, after some time passes. Now, Nick, I'll... I'll believe committed to Penn State last summer. A lot can happen since last summer. Obviously, there's coaching staff changes, and Penn State has had a good number of coaching staff turnover this offseason, especially on the offensive side. So you don't know if that weighs into the conversation. Uh, but a chance to maybe play closer to home certainly can become more appealing as a kid gets closer to the end of his high school cycle. And he is a Jacksonville native, and the Florida Gators seem to be the, the program that's going to benefit the most from this decommitment. It looks like he is trending more towards 
being able to to take a chance to play for the Florida Gators, which, you know, under Dan Mullen, I, I can certainly see some of the appeal there. And again, closer to home, get a chance to play in the SEC. Not a bad spot to be in if you're a Florida native. So, you know, you got to keep that in mind, too. You always got to think about their point of view, the player's point of view. Obviously, yes, if you're a Penn State fan, you're going to have some doubts about his integrity, whatever. I think that's stupid, first of all. Again, these are high school kids. Let's make them make the decisions that are best for them. And apparently for Elksness, uh, backing out of his commitment to Penn State, leaves that door open for some other opportunities. And again, never say never. There's always a chance, I suppose, that Penn State could come back in in the mix because he hasn't officially committed to any other program. And even when he does, like I said, high school players will change their minds sometimes. And there have been so many stories out there about recruits that commit to one school, decommit, commit to another school, decommit from there, and they maybe go back to that school they originally committed to. Not saying that's going to happen here, but you just never know. And again, I, I do think that this is probably going to bode well for Florida in the grand scheme of things. I think they'll pick up that tight end commitment from Nick as the, the days go forward. But this is not something that you should be uh, pressing any panic buttons, I think, if you're Penn State. Obviously, like I said, the tight end position is pretty well situated in the years to come. So I wouldn't get too concerned about where Penn State's uh, direction is going. They have had two decommitments from their class of 2021, but it's only March 2nd right now. And there's still a lot of time between now and the early signing period in December. And Penn State's going to have those summer camps. They'll have some uh, official visits between now and the end of the year. <laughs> They'll have a lot of opportunities to showcase what their program is about. And while, yes, it would be nice to be Clemson and have all these top recruits already locked in for your next recruiting cycle or two recruiting cycles or, you know, a program like Alabama. But again, I do think that Penn State's going to be in a pretty good situation moving forward. And obviously it would help to win some key games in the fall and maybe win a couple of recruiting battles in the fall as well. But so much time between now and the uh, December signing period, of course, next February when the second signing period is up there. So don't press any panic buttons yet. Penn State's going to be okay. This is a just a mild setback on the recruiting trail, but that happens to the best of programs out there. And that's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. Hopefully we got your month and your week started on a positive note. We are always trying to bring some positive energy, covering some Penn State football and other sports topics as well. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure you're subscribed and leave a rating and leave a review on all of your favorite podcasting apps, such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Himalaya, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. We greatly appreciate that support you guys continue to show us. You can also stay connected with us on Twitter at LockedOnNitty. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNitty. And yes, we have a brand new YouTube page. Just go into YouTube and search for Locked On Nittany Lions. It should pop up, but if not, don't worry. I'm going to have that link for you guys on those social media accounts. And moving forward, we'll hopefully be able to make that a lot easier to get into the YouTube page. We'll be putting up clips of the podcast on the YouTube. So if you would like to listen to podcasts in YouTube, go ahead and open a browser. You can listen to various clips. We'll break it down. We won't show the whole podcast on those on the YouTube page, but we'll see what we can do with that. And we'll have some fun with that, I think, at some point in time. But very excited to have these things up on YouTube as well moving forward. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter as well, at KevinOnCFB is my Twitter account. You can also check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash McGuire. 
And you can check out my national college football coverage and Penn State coverage on AthlonSports.com as well as NBCSports.com's college football talk. And I do want to encourage you guys to also check out NittanyLionsDen.com. Got some good content that's going to come up there as well as we go out throughout the month of March. Should be a big one. So make sure you stay connected with us in as many ways as possible. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you have a great Monday. Let's get that week and uh, get that month started on the right foot. Go 1-0 today because you can't go 1-0 for the month of March if you don't go 1-0 today. So have a great day, everybody. Come back. Check us out very soon. We'll have some more content for you right here on the podcast. Until then, I'll talk to you later.